Welcome to the PropTech Podcast. It's Kylie Davis here, and I'm delighted to be your host as we explore the brave new world where technology and real estate collide. It's so great to have you here and to share stories of innovation and opportunity across real estate, property, and building services. And the aim of each episode is to introduce listeners to a PropTech innovator who is pushing the boundaries of what's possible across how we design, build, buy, sell, rent, and invest in property and all of the associated behavior and activities around that. Now, none of this would be possible without our sponsors. So a big shout out to the Direct Connect team, Making Moving Easy, Dynamic Methods, the innovators behind the Forms Live and RealWorks Forms, and the PropTech Association of Australia. Thank you for your support of the podcast. Buckle up, people, because in this episode of the PropTech podcast, we are doing a deep dive into the world of building and construction technology and it's a doozy. My guests are Murray Allen and Andrew Giles from PT Blink. And this is an extended episode because we totally got into a conversation about the problems that desperately need solving in construction and the role of technology to digitise manual work that has been done the same way for centuries. PT Blink is a very exciting prop tech that is working to, quote, industrialise construction using platform technology to manage the logistics and workflows of local building supply manufacturers anywhere to create custom designed flat pack multi-storey buildings that can be assembled on site in a fraction of the time and for a fraction of the cost. Namari is a leading expert in post-tension steel technology and has conceived, designed and built major projects around the world, including Australia, China, Hong Kong, Dubai and the Philippines, one of which includes the Sydney's Olympic Stadium. And as well as being the founder of PT Blink, he is a governor of the Sydney University Warren Centre of Advanced Engineering. Now, Andrew is Director of Marketing Communications at PT Blink and has had an extensive corporate career in communication roles working for companies including Canon and Edelman. He's also on the Commercial Advisory Committee of the PropTech Association Australia and an enthusiastic advocate for the sector. So here to tell us all about PT Blink and to unpack how we can modernise construction, Murray Ellen and Andrew Giles, welcome to the PropTech Podcast. Thank you very much, Carly. Thanks, Carly. So, first question is always the hardest, and Murray, I think you're taking this one. Um, What is the PT Blink elevator pitch? Oh, look, um, PT Blink's got technology that transforms the development of property. Rather than building a living environment, we empower to be manufactured, um, and all the benefits come from that fundamental. Cool. So, I want to dive into this a bit more because I think this area is one of the biggest pain points at the moment or one of the biggest pain points sitting inside the prop tech universe what how how does your prop tech do that how does pt blink fix this problem well um, fundamentally if you look at prop tech or property uh, to our minds it's been held back by construction yeah uh, and that's where fundamental change needs to take place and that's what we do at blink so if you look at the way things are traditionally delivered it's just totally unsustainable there's a whole range of productivity and you know lockers and a hugely fragmented process Kylie Mm. um the the waste is nuts and so if you there's reports that you know somewhere between 30 and 60 percent of our landfills are from waste from construction 
you know, right. and, and that, that's that's something I want to change now and for my grandkids. You know, we we all should. Um, the rates of injury are incredibly high. The the the, the rework and the quality is low, and you know, and, and it's well on the press. You know, you you just can't meet demand at the moment. And and Blink goes a long way towards changing the traditional um, into something entirely new. And that, that was the only way I could see to do it. Cool. So I often joke that when we talk about real estate and buying and selling property, it's like the mm. 1990s called and they want their process back because everything just happens on email. But when we mm. talk about construction, it's like the 1700s called because <laughs> if we're still turning up with <laughs> they want their process back because we're still completely reliant on men with shovels and concrete and bricks and hammers. Well, I think more to the point, nail bags. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you haven't got a nail bag, then, then you're not on my site and that's all there is to it. Look, and, and that's it. I mean, and, and look, we're not using half the workforce. We're somehow men like me <laughs> are eliminating, well, not like me as the case may be, are eliminating Half the workforce or half the brains in the world yeah. aren't applied to what is a $12 trillion industry, you know. Um, and, you know, at, at, at the inside of risk, you know, I'm not going to change because my great, great, great grandfather did it that way, or I'm not going to change because that's how the Romans built. I, I've never heard anything more ridiculous in my entire life. And, and, and it's, it's pretty well documented. There's quite a lot of momentum going towards a change, Kylie. So. So just before we dive into how you guys do it, I just mm. want to capture a little bit more information around the size of the pain that exists because of traditional methods of construction. Like how how big an issue for it for us is it here in Australia? Look, it's the massive, and, and look at it, and, and I'm going to answer, answer this from what I have experienced. Okay, so mm. yeah, you're not. You're not dealing with a fluffy founder here, right? So, you know, I've built in 35 countries, okay, and and say it quite proudly, and and we do that with people, right? And you know, um, the pain isn't just felt here in Australia. I, I know you put your question that way, and to a certain extent, I apologise, but I don't. It, it is massive pain, and mm -hmm. and when you're in the shed, you know, next to me, Kylie, right, and you're getting told day one that you're late, you're getting told day two you're not getting paid and you get told day three that you're a subcontractor and you should behave that way, you know, and 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 the bulk of subcontractors are always late and then you go home to your family and you explain why the money is not coming, you know, and, and why this is happening and you tend to take it out socially on those who are immediately around you, and, you know, and, and this is not just here, right, this is, this is around the world and and. Again, I, I couldn't see what while Blink, you know, it's called Blink of PT Blink Andrew, right? So <laughs> came came from the idea that we can do things in terms of a you know a very, very short period of time, blink and it's done. Yeah. You know, um main motivation for that was mathematics around the internal rate of return. Uh, so so that you're you you drive it with money. So while money drives these things, if we can to, to, to change the way it is now, you have to change everything. So yeah. if you can change everything by changing time or valuing time, then you can change that household. Then you can change the money that comes into the household. Then you can change uh, the outcomes. And I couldn't see any other way of doing it but changing everything. 
Cool. So how does PT blink? Oh, sorry, Andrew, you wanted to add something? Oh, look, I was just going to add to what Murray <clears throat> what Murray said there, Kylie, and I, I know that you and I have spoken about um, the need for meaty changes for prop tech to address. And certainly, you know, this this is the this is the big problem. Like the, the, there's ne- there's never been a bigger problem. And if you have a look now, um, we're in the middle of a housing crisis. We've got um, amid all the other the things that we've got: rising inflation, labour shortages. Um, we have you know costs costs of materials and so on. But the biggest thing we have we have is a, a supply issue. Um, so we've mm-hmm. got lofty targets at a national level for housing of like in excess of a million houses over the next five years. And then we've got a range of um, predictions on how much the shortfall will be. Um, so the, we're not even in the realm of, of, of quite being close to providing that um, that supply. Um, and one of the key issues here is is productivity at the core. So again, you know, we'll discuss the, the foundation of, of PT Blink and the name and where it came from, because that's an interesting um, heritage story right there. But to highlight the Blink aspect is speed. Um, and Speed is uh, the the time value of money and the and the implications of that on cost and supply are never discussed. We don't ever discuss the aspect of speed. Um, now, if you have a look at the Australian Constructors Association re- released a report um, earlier this year called "Disrupt or Die: Transforming Australia's Construction Industry," um, and they've said in there that the basically there's been a 1.8 percent decrease in productivity since 1990. Um, other sources will say actually the decrease has happened since 1950, but there's, there's a whole range of sources, but it's all heading in the wrong direction. It's heading backwards. Um, so I think productivity is the key. And from our perspective, speed is a big part of that equation. Cool. So, so how does PT Blink change all this? How, how does what you do work? So it's pretty simple, really. Um, <laughs> most great things are incredibly simple. Uh, yeah, because we empower the manufacture of the living environment. Right? Don't build it. Mm-hmm. Really, really, really simple. So you manufacture it and you do it with a cohort of people, of like-minded people in an ecosystem of partners. So this conversation is not about Blink or PT Blink. It's, it's about an ecosystem of partners, you know, where we do it together and you do it locally. We're not bringing materials and things in from China. You do it better, right, and you you don't build it anymore. You assemble it. So it's stretchy, pulley Lego is what we're making. So, you know, it's a whole new process. We call it, if you, if you call it turn the status quo as design and construct or design and build, we're throwing out the, the window and calling it DMI, design, manufacture, and integrate. A simple way to think about it is grabbing Lego blocks and putting them together, but everyone makes a different Lego block. So we've got about 200 manufacturers in Western Sydney. We're on, on our list and in our, we engage directly with about 37 or 38 of them. We go to them and use some software which says that window can be stretched and pulled within bounds, and that's the added value we provide. We put that window on a digital marketplace and you can drag and drop it around the chassis, if you like, or the backbone, like a chassis of a car. And this has been done in automobiles for years, for aeroplanes for years. So you manufacture the components and you do it in a disaggregated local way here, you, you, using Australian materials, Australian products, Australian people, and, yes, in a 
in a high value add, I'll use the word factory environment. I wish I had a different word because these factories have breakout areas and it's not, you know, a sweaty, horrible place. These are, are wonderful areas where women prosper, men prosper, and you've got your digital hat on. You're using manufacturing components, you're using high tech jobs highly paid jobs and that's that's uh that's what we're empowering at blink so manufacture it don't build it awesome okay Angie, did you have anything you wanted just just to say don't that to. Um, <laughs> I, I suppose the the analogy is um is to, to murray mentioned chassis so you know the pt blink technology is is part and by the way we don't we don't build anything ourselves as murray said we empower an ecosystem to deliver the, the built asset we provide the technology part of that technology is the structure which is the chassis um, the parallel there being to the automobile industry and the, the rest of it is actually the the algorithm to coordinate the manufacturers that, again, like manufacturing a car, if anyone's familiar with that, you've got your chassis going down the production line and then your other off-site manufactured parts come together and with precision join um, join the chassis. Um, yeah, I guess that that's the analogy for what we do. And, and as Murray said, it's um, one of the most exciting things at the moment is that um, we are... Our, our role is enabler. You know, we're an enabler of the process and we enable everyone to participate and get create more value and get more value themselves out of one of the largest industries in the world. I mean, we contribute to 7% of GDP in Australia. Um, so mm. it's right that in actually satisfying our housing needs that we also can empower our local manufacturing community to provide that supply. And then it's a win for the whole economy. I love that. It's, it's, it's a win for builders too because when we, we've got a range, mostly second-generation younger people, so, so you know, who, who aren't sitting on top of large organisations. But where, um, when they see, hang on, does that mean I can do things, you know, high quality uh, but in half the time? The answer is absolutely yes. So that enables productivity, which enables profit. Right? So yeah. which means, again, when when you look at it, as integrating the parts, not building them. It's a, just a different mindset. So I have so many questions, but I do actually <laughs> love this idea that <laughs> I do love this idea that for us to bring construction into the 21st century, we actually have to bring it to the 1912s or whatever it was when Henry Ford invented the the um yeah. I get this a lot. I, I get asked the question, where does innovation come from? And I've only got one answer. That's necessity. You know, yeah. go, go and ask Henry about that. Mm, and then yeah. the big difference with Henry, he's just a bloke like me and you and everyone else, bloke being the derivative word for people, human being, you know. Biggest yeah. social change in the world is probably the vehicle. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. And, and, and yet we all participate. We all, we all play in that world. The huge difference that Blink brings as opposed to Henry was his catchphrase, you can have any colour you want as long as it's black. Now, with <laughs> computerization and technology and the big shift since Henry Ford's days, we can manufacture any shape. So this is mass customization, not mass production. And, and, and we are sitting on it and just not using it. It happens every day. A robot or a, a digitally controlled machine or a variation heading up to that doesn't care how many 
different things it makes. It doesn't need everything to be the same. It's, you know, mm-hmm. the, uh, as mass production, and if Henry Ford had this today, you know, well, VW does. They they make a whole range of cars. That's why they can own the world's cars. So, um, you know, it's just an empower. That, that, that's right. and, and why I lo- like the position we've taken. You know, we, we're not trying to say this is all about blink. It's not. And look, we're, you know, there's been companies before who have advocated some of this and they're a vertically integrated company and it's all about, um, Katira was the name, or they're all about, you know, our, our people. We're not. It's a horizontal system that brings a, a, a new tide to all boats. And that's what we're trying to do. Okay. So when we think about manufacturing, homes traditionally we think Mm -hmm. more of sort of modular or we think of um more that sort of affordable end what's the difference between a home that's been built using the blink uh, the pt blink ecosystem versus Mm -hmm. uh you know a a property that you would see out in western sydney right now being Mm -hmm. built by blokes turning up on site (laughs) well first and foremost for a variety of reasons we can go into we've gone to the multi story market rather than the individual dwelling market mostly to get economy of scale so we start somewhere around the three to five stories and then go up to Mm -hmm. infinite number um highly influenced by uh, an american market an australian market and a density market so Mm -hmm. that um individual dwellings you're not changing everyone's minds I, i think we will come to individual dwellings later with this process yep. and probably people will be better at much better at it than us traditionally our space has been in in that that more built form so so we're squarely in the multi-story market um mm-hmm. and primarily because it doesn't exist so so we don't we're not aware of anyone who looks at a multi-story building else in, in, in the world although you know a timber backbone is very similar and there's multi-story timber buildings and we're materially agnostic we absolutely love them right? and, and we have manufacturers on our books who that's what they do they've got to be digitally accurate though so everything fits so so what's the difference with us primarily everything is flat packed so rather than be a volumetric scale although bathrooms can very much be volumetric but and maybe laundry so that's debatable most things that we do with our manufacturers are flat packed bit like IKEA, and we call ourselves the IKEA of construction, so that everything, you're not shipping air primarily. And so so even though you're locally manufacturing, you, your volume wants to stay down to our mind. Right. Okay. So ha- Having said you- that, on the digital marketplace, when it's finished, you will see volumetric buildings because it's just a, it's a choice. Right? So we, we yeah. see that as a, a manufacturing choice. And I must say, Kylie, when we first started, which was almost six, six and a half or seven years old now, uh, everyone said there's no manufacturing. It doesn't exist. Yeah. It's all gone to China. So, so we had to go and look and find, I, I make the analogy to turning under rocks. And there was all these family, mostly family-based businesses who hadn't been sort of taken up with the sweep of make everything in China. And Please don't get me wrong. I'm not down in China. I lived in Hong Kong for 16 years or something, and my first station was in was in China. So you know they're friends and nothing else. But it's it, it when you value time, then you value that 12 week or 14 week shipping period. And you value the quality that is made here, and and you value a lot of different things. So. Yeah, sure, Andrew. 
Well, look, I might also add to that, um, and and this is with my um, my commercial real commercial commercial real estate um, subcommittee hat on as as well as my PT Blink hat, um, yeah. is that it's also not just about housing. So <clears throat> our solution. Particularly, you know, we're we're faster, safer, better, and less waste is our is our sort of four key deliverables. And obviously, it starts with um, faster because faster is time, and time is money. Um, so for commercial real estate, also we we are a great solution because if any industry understands the time value of money, then it's um it's commercial real estate. The faster you get to market, the faster you know you get to realise your return your internal rate of return rises and, and so on. So just wanted to make the point that we're not just residential, we're actually any kind of um, building typology or asset type, yeah. um, in particular things like um, if you have a look at sophisticated warehousing now that's popping up around um, Southwest Sydney and those sorts of things, multi-storey, high-value high value real estate, but also um, higher-value product lines and speed to market for those distribution centres is critical. So a data centre would be the same. So a data centre every week is potentially millions of dollars of revenue, either foregone or captured by getting to market quicker. Um, And we haven't actually talked about, when we say quicker, what do we mean by quicker? So we're talking about um, total project time savings in the vicinity of 40 to 60%. So... We're we're not we're not in the realm of ten percent and and those sorts of things. We're actually looking at a step change in speed, and that's and, um, that's got huge uh, commercial benefits uh, for clients. And Andrew's point is very very valid, Carly. Because our first building that we actually completed with this was a residential. A lot of people take us down that road first and foremost. Um, you know, data centres in particular. The time value of money is, is so obvious to those owners. So we, we, we say that we can do any architecture. Um, and with our business partners, you know, in, in, we can manufacture anything. We put our minds to it. And, you know, that, that's really where it comes from, Carly. So, so would, if I was driving down a street, would I know? Would I would I think oh that's one of those manufactured properties? That, <laughs> or, or would it be completely invisible to me because they just looks like a modern no, house on, or, on, or factory on, or whatever. On, on completion, it'll be completely invisible. Matter of fact, we, we could make some things that aren't possible today more possible and you might start yeah, to right. aggregate them. But but if you look at, say, the, it was four and a half years ago, I don't know if you've seen our video, but Channel 9 News got it and put it up there. We had 42,000 hits on our first night and didn't know what to do with them, Kylie. We just weren't ready, you know. Um, but that was, you know, scaling. Uh, yeah. That was a, yeah, well, here we go, you know, another, another little, another little challenge. Not only you got to change payment systems, you know, um, men's minds, you know, construction, grow yourself, you know, this, this little land we're in, which we're almost at scale up. I still call it startup, but, but, you know, um, there's always the next challenge. Um, but, but so the fundamentals, the fundamentals, um, we came from what I came from the, the, the world of long span structures. So if you look at Sydney Stadium Australia, the, the two reconfigurations of my work at the end of it, we're very, very, very good at long span structures. So when we say we can do any architecture in the multi story field, we can because right? we right. come from a totally different background. And uh, that's, that's the whole idea. Let me ask you a question. Are you happy with your current operational workflow? Are you really satisfied with printing, signing, scanning and emailing contracts and then having to wait days for them to be signed and returned? Well, I didn't think so. 
and I have some good news. There is a better way. Dynamic Methods is the team behind leading real estate industry tech platforms such as Forms Live, REI Forms Live and RealWorks. With a mission to make better happen, Dynamic Methods are dedicated to providing efficiency and productivity tools, boosting form technology to real estate agencies across Australia. Each month, 50,000 real estate professionals across 8,500 agencies from every Australian state and territory use dynamic methods form technology, empowering more than 7.2 million transactions a year. Dynamic Methods is also proud to host quality integrations with some of the prop tech industry's most powerful technologies, such as DocuSign, Secure Exchange, Equifax, and more, putting everything you need to get forms and contracts filled in, signed, verified, and exchanged into one easy platform. So if you're ready to ditch the pen and paper, make your agency look more efficient, head to dynamicmethods.com.au slash partners to learn more. So, Murray, before you mentioned that you've worked in the industry across 35 countries, what's uh, your... No, 15, 15, 15. 15 countries, sorry. Uh, uh. Uh, what's your... How did you get to this point? What's the story behind PT Blink and how you founded it? <laughs> Necessity and frustration, I guess. Um, <laughs> so, so, so the, the, 30, the, the 15-odd countries was with long span structures, um, you know, from Malaysia to Dubai, to Tijuana, Mexico, to China, to the UK, so I can wrap it on, always with partners. So we always had a key technology that we dealt with the end user. If I mention someone like Boeing, you know, Boeing needed aircraft hangers. We had a technology that was very good for aircraft hangers, but we went directly to Boeing and said, look, are you sure this is what you want? You know, why, why not look at, so rather than the tender you have out, you know, have a look at, Maybe them building a single 737 hangar, do a double or a triple because it's so much more productive. And so, I don't know, 25 or 30 years selling productivity really in, in, in that space came to a bit of a head, um, you know, with, with, with a business decision. Business actually was a, a builder who, who went broke owing us money, you know, and got lost a little bit of a stride, to tell you the truth. Kylie, because, mm. you know, just no fault of our own, you end up in a fair bit of strife, you know, which we got out of, but then you start to rethink. And what happened was our friends from One Steel, you know, the Australian steel, one of two Australian steel manufacturers, asked a key question, and that was, you know, Murray, you must know you lived up there. How do we compete with China? And, yeah. and then the second one was a property developer, without my naming and Tony John in Brisbane, the Anthony John Group, we uh, had done a lot of work for and um, some really innovative structures. And he was a very brave, you know, property developer. I don't know how many we did together, but a lot of clear span things. And he asked me, why can't we build buildings fast like they do in China? And to me, I was there as a 22-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a bit older than that now, Carly. Mm -hmm. It's a few more scratches on the back, right? But it was just incredible that China would be leading when we were following from the mindset that I grew up with and yeah. I said of course we can we just got to put our minds to it and then that was the start of blank those two key criterion you know so that's that's where it started so. Andrew you want to add something uh, <clears throat> well if I if I can if I can jump in there and and you know again one of the it was in meeting Murray that got me excited about the you know getting involved with PC blink one of the things that um 
I guess to touch on just in in the background of our name, PT Blink, the PT comes from Murray's work in post-tension steel. So for anyone who goes out to Stadium Australia and for a rock concert or a sport event over the Women's World Cup recently, I, I, I confess to spending a fair bit of my time looking skyward. <laughs> rather than, um, you were supposed to like, be watching Sam. And <laughs> no, exactly. And That's what I told him to do. Yeah, yeah. It was a, a that, I tell you, Andrew, I'm going to jump in. That that has changed. I reckon that what happened with Matilda's helps us change construction. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No. Tell, tell me more yeah. about that. Why is that? Yeah. I think that. So, 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 I suppose just just finishing that point. The the the, the roof is the post tension steel that now informs our structural technology today. But getting to Murray's point there. Um, you know, one of the mission points is obviously you know, diversifying the, the workforce. So, you know, again, I read that I think there's currently participation of women in construction at the moment is 12% in Australia. It's probably similar in in the US, I, I would say. But, um, but it, you know, so female participation is obviously a, a big opportunity as we then move into more of a technology-based um, value-adding workforce rather than the nail bags and carrying carrying the wood and those sorts of things. And and it doesn't stop at female participation either. I mean, you know, it, it is an able-bodied male-dominated industry currently. So, again, getting people that might have physical limitations now involved in the industry is also yeah, a huge yeah. Sorry, Look at just... this. If we look at for any change, I think money needs to be empowered, right? So if we're going to have – I get into trouble for this because I say things like you can't just legislate for green buildings, right? If there's a driver, there's an economic driver to economic for, for green buildings, you can do it. We just saw it with the Matildas. Okay, mm -hmm. so Channel 7, right? Channel 7, right? Got it wrong, right? There wasn't one, wasn't 750,000 viewers as they thought and they, and they let, you know, um, Optus outbid them for the, for the rights, right? That one night, there was something like 1.8 million viewers or 7.5 million people watch the Matildas. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is driving economic change. So with mm -hmm. economic change, you're now going to have a whole new industry, I think. Well, the, the other half of it should have happened ages ago, but with that fiscal driver, and I think that's what the construction industry is, that's what Blink's about. It's about what we do at PT Blink. It's, it's about that economic driver. And with that economic driver, There'll be more green buildings. Why? Because the funding needs to come from green sources. Why? Because you're not – my Toyota Ute has 0.25% waste, not 30%, 0.25% waste. Mm. Right? So 38% of our global emissions comes from our industry. We've got to wake mm. up. <laughs> and I just saw the Matildas wake up a nation. That's all I'm saying. I think, I think too, what we – we're, we're at that tipping point where, that people are starting to finally wake up to too where the digital disruption across all of our lives has led us to question, you know, if you can do things so quickly and easily on your phone and it can and the data supply that's out there now or the data that's out there now can start to personalise everything so quickly, going mm. back to old processes feels even more clunky than it did five years ago oh, or ten years ago, right? So oh, we, I agree. Oh, we demand, it, we're, we're demanding it, it. We demand it, you know. Yeah. So, so why why did I ever warm for to Uber, right? Then, and mm. I'll tell you, it wasn't, in my case, it wasn't because it was cheaper. I had four younger kids from home. I was travelling a lot to the US, to Europe, you know, big businessmen and that sort of stuff, right? And But if 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 that silver service cab wasn't out the front, 
you know, from St Ives to the airport, which is a hundred and twenty dollar fare, yeah. Mm. If it wasn't there, I was in trouble because I didn't know how my family was. I didn't know I was going to make the plane. I, and when it's coming back, the same. With Uber, I could see it. So it mm. gave me surety. And I think that's what PT Blank is doing to the industry. While we talk about time, there's a whole feeling that time is cheap, right? If it's fast, then it's no good. Well, sorry, time is surety. Time is knowing it's going to happen or seeing it's right. going to happen. And, and, and that's, that's, I think, the key to transformation is the clarity, the transformation that you're going to get paid, the transformation that you can come down to the local factory and you can choose your kitchen you know, individually or you can come to the local data centre. I mean, there we go. I, I'll shush now, Kylie. <laughs> no, that's all right. But I, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think this whole transparency of being able to see it, I know I've, you know, we've we've built and renovated places ourselves and this whole mm -hmm. waterfall notion of it's quite a small station doesn't look like it's very much on the, you know, like it's, you know, adding quite a small space, but the way that it's going to rechange the space, why did that need to take nine months? Well, it took <laughs> nine months because... They would turn up and do a little bit and then they'd spend half the afternoon cleaning up for the bit that they did and then they would, the next day, come and go, oh, we should have them materials. And then we'd wait two weeks for the materials to turn up. It was so yeah, painful. No, exactly. So I love, I love, and and I, just doing it at a, at, a whole, at a wholesale level sounds awesome. Um, but, 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 but Chloe, so how big stop are you guys just, now? Can I just stop there for one tick, right? Imagine that on a 30-storey building. And the process is exactly oh. the same. And this is what people don't see in the fun is, is, is to change that fundamental of your place, I'd like to make the thing in a factory and you can come and see it and, you know, you can choose it. And then digitally you'll get the 3D image and you can say this, that, and the other thing. But what we don't do, you know, is, is, is play on you to change your mind. If you change your mind, right, on a 30-story building, then, oh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, here's the extra bill and here's the other. The, the 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 downside of manufacturing is when we say go, I want that. It's all manufactured, right? So mm -hmm. the the concept that a that a client can change their mind up to push the button to manufacture for sure. Push that button, no, nah, that's what you're getting, and you see it in three D life, and you see it visually. I'm sorry, I just wanted to get that bit in. How big are we? Oh, look, um. Uh, we're bigger than Ben Hearn. <laughs> I don't know how you think in terms of being in, ter in terms of uh, people, people size, people, people, yeah, people directly and indirectly. We'd have about twenty-two or so uh, on Southwest direct and indirect, uh, directly including software programmers, including others. But our, our reach goes a lot bigger than that because we like to use the word license or partner. So if we have real projects on, we we don't do the engineering. We use the appropriate um, person would be a structural engineering firm if it's for structure, mechanical, electrical, you know, for others. So we have learned to do this over the years um, and we've applied it to Blink. So uh, architects, Blink authorised architects is a little bit of different thinking, engineers. So uh, revenues this year, next calendar year, will be somewhere between five and $7.5 million or so. So, you know, that's from real thing, um, but we're actually – we're always in a perpetual sort of we've been raising capital since we started and we're doing a fairly large capital raise at the moment to jump the software to the next level um, and 
now we've tested and doing things. So that that's pretty much where I don't know if that answers your question or not, Kylie, but I can answer anything on that. So. I think we're kind of at that tipping point too around around the whole the whole data side where where for us to can the pain of continuing to do things the way that we've always done them mm-hmm. overlaid with this new expectation of personalization and customization mm-hmm. requiring individuals to just work harder using the same mm-hmm. tools that they've always had mm-hmm. we're at that tipping point now aren't we where we're seeing that that's just not real like you cannot yeah. ask people to work in the current broken system harder and harder to deliver better experiences as an alternative to embracing the tech and making everybody's life easier and no, no, delivering you're, 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 you're exactly right. We're at that tipping point. I, I actually think we're way past it. Um, mm-hmm. And I, what, I, what I'd cite there is it seems that in this industry that change, or the, particularly Australia, US is a bit different in my opinion, but change only comes when there's a crisis. Right, so mm-hmm. you look at the number of building companies going broke in Australia right now, and yet everyone doesn't, you know, it, it takes a company to, the, the day before going broke to say, what do we do? How do we change? Right? You know, and I'm not going to name big names, but you'll everyone knows them in the industry. They're well published, you know. Uh, and, and what I've also learned is unless you live the life, you don't really know what happened. But what I do know, Right, is the system is rotten from the core. So, mm-hmm. so when it's basically becoming a Ponzi scheme where you're taking from an old project, got to win the next one, got to win the next one, got to win the next one to keep that one running, right? And maybe I shouldn't have used the word Ponzi, but there you go. You know, uh, when you can, when you can say, well, hang on, you know, my margins are so skinny, I'm on one and a half or two percent margin. Therefore, there's only one way to make money, and that is either charge my subcontractors more for what might be perceived as their failings or get my client to make a change, right? But until something dramatic happens, it seems that this industry, the tipping point, I reckon was about a year and a half or two years ago. That's why Mm -hmm. they were still tipping over the edges, right? So Mm -hmm. this, this embracing technology, having said that, when people do it, when they, when we see, you know, companies who we work with actually do it, it's like hallelujah. And, and I'm not saying it's, you know, it's a smooth road there because there's change and, you know, it's, it's pretty much the only thing that's been the stable thing in my life. And that has been change. You know, it's the rate of change. Right? So I, I think the tipping point's probably over. We can come back, but I think it's over. So, uh, and I look, you know what, uh, Mary, I remember too speaking at a, a property, a build conference a couple of years ago before COVID too, and mm-hmm. someone from one of the building organisations, might have been one of the unions basically, that was trying to work in this area of builder health yeah. and was basically trying to, the the, the concept was would about how broken the business model was of having this vision of what this property is going to look like and then the business model of construction being, so this is how I want it to look and I'm going to bring in all of these people at, and at every single stage everyone's trying to, going to try and take their cut and yep. and deliver it for the yep. least, you know, the, the the most effective and affordable way for them to deliver it so that by the end of the, the thing you've got this shiny vision and then you've got what actually gets delivered sort of down yep. the bottom, which doesn't often look like each other. And yep. she was saying that this model of 
subcontractors was so broken that if yeah. we turned around and were real as an industry and said, well, it's going to cost you, you know, $40 million to build this building and we're going to have to lose seven workers. They're going to die yeah. as a result of that because of the safety issues and also the whole yeah. Stress and ten- the stress and anxiety and mental health issues around mm. uh, of that pressure of delivering to impossible mm. deadlines, right? Contracted mm. impossible deadlines, and mm. and how damaging that can be to the mm. industry. Mm. Yeah, look, Carly, it's not just unions. I mean, I, I'd be one of the strongest supporters of unions and to to change the, the way things are, right? Um, and you know that that as I say, it's not just unions; it's the system. You know, and and when you say it was endemic, you know, to to, to change what we were talking about there, and that's exactly right. You've got margin on margin on margin on margin on margin. That comes to my mind from you know big glossy image done by architect, yeah, who yep. as soon as as soon as um, you know, ten percent design is done. Maybe ten or fifteen percent design is done. Then owners or developers, uh, owners or developers of properties, throw that out to three builders or three or four builders and say, or their buddies, and say, "Look, finish this design, right? And give me a build price, fixed price. You know, mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. it's just ludicrous. And you know, it does that, that. That's what they've been pampered to. And I don't." You know, not saying de- developers are right or wrong, but but you know they've been sold on risk. You know, we'll take your risk away f- from you, Mister Owner. Right? And, and well, sorry, who who benefits from taking the risk? The, the owner does. Right? So so if we're going to take risk away, then we've got to look at risk differently. Right? So it, it, if I can manufacture a whole bunch of assemblies out of the weather in 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 environments. With high tech workforce that exists today, right? So mm. we're not looking, and you can improve today. So you just took the weather out of the equation, right? And and then you're saying, well, you just took a, you know, a, a bit of a few other problems out of the equation, such as quality and issue, because you're inside a, you know, and you look at a bathroom, it's got eight separate trades who don't turn up on time and who don't <laughs> turn up Ever? because they're <laughs> in the right order. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. But why are they doing it? Why did they do it to you, Kylie? They're balancing. They're, they're like this juggling match of trying to keep the cash coming in from you and go and don't don't admit it. Don't say to you, I can't come, Kyle's. Well, I can't come because I've got a I've always got another excuse. Oh, this one's much bigger or this one's much more important. I can't get to yours because I'm juggling. They're juggling. Mm. It's just a, a, a big juggle, a big, big juggle that has to stop. This episode is sponsored by EasyPay. EasyPay makes collecting PropTech payments easy. As one of Australia's leading subscription payment providers, EasyPay is helping real estate and PropTech businesses to improve rental collection rates, transform arrears management, and increase cash flow. Built for integration with a focus on partnerships, EasyPay's platform works seamlessly with your existing PropTech software, giving you access to industry-leading features that enable complex billing and settlement to support trustless business models. Discover the power of payment automation and leverage one of the first platforms to enable the Pay2 payment solution at easypay.com forward slash PropTech. So, Andrew, I'm going to direct this question to you. What... How? What's your business model like? How do you how do you charge and and what's the how big is the market that you guys can play into here? 
Well, look, the the market, um, you know, as you can appreciate, is huge. So it's sort of, you know, in, in excess of it was around what four hundred. Um, 400 billion in Australia, and it's mm. um, around a trillion dollars in the US. If you if you look at the 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 areas that we play in in constructed buildings and take out any other aspects of infrastructure, um, you know it's allowed around 11 trillion dollars worldwide US. So it's 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 a it's a huge market. Let's put it that way. It's one of the biggest markets that there is in any in in any industry. Um, the, our business model is we're very much, um, as I said before, we're an enabler. Um, we're currently acting as a, on a consulting basis, working on on projects. So again, as we've done traditionally, licensing our technology. So the way that we work is that we'll um, we're, um, we will do what's called a desktop study. And interestingly, in terms of necessity, we've seen a spike in the amount of desktop studies we've been doing recently for various projects. And one of the key things that's coming through is that really a lot of things, a lot of projects aren't actually financially sustainable um, under the current model. And so they're looking for different ways to do it, aside from the actual technology, that the challenges that, for example, our structural technology can also address. So if you want to build over an existing asset, we can do that. If you want to build over a car park or a heritage building and so on, we've got a, a range of solutions in addition to um, giving the benefit of speed. But um, so well, people will come to us and they'll have they'll have a project um, using a traditional construction method and they'll say, look, can you can you run Blink DMI over our project and to give us indicative results of what we would uh, can expect to um, receive? Uh, so we will pull together a desktop review where we'll have a look at you know the, the block and the design. We'll have a look at our ecosystem of manufacturing partners. We'll have a look at um, you know the how how much steel we need what kind of um a building is it what kind of other components will go in um we'll do indicative timings and indicative costings and then we'll go from there and then that becomes a, a process of then getting into okay then we'll get into a full detailed um blink dmi study as we call it and then once the project starts we then get into the design phase integrate st uh, manufacture stage and, and then the integrate stage finally um, what we're also doing right now, and Murray alluded to this earlier, is that we're taking the methodology that we use internally and we're transitioning to a software as a service cloud-based platform that will then allow us to scale our, our offering, obviously, massively to take care, to, to be able to tap into that huge market potential that's there. So we're proving out our technology, we're using it for real projects, and then we're at the same time, we're transitioning to a cloud-based software as a service offering. Awesome. Awesome. So it, do you have any competitors in this space? What's the competitive <laughs> I'll, I'll take that landscape one. landscape look like? Uh, I, 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 do, you, do you mind, Andrew, if I take that one? <laughs> no, please. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we, have, we have a lot of competitors, uh, Kyla. We have the status quo, the way it's done now. All right. So mm -hmm. that is by a long way our biggest competitor. All right. So, so um you know, the, the and this is not just the biggest challenge. It's it it is uh, entrenched uh, over many many years that you know, you've you, you've mentioned. Uh, but by a long way, that's our biggest competitor. Um, in in the top in, in the property tech or construction tech world, the, there are other friends and and people who are doing um, you know like minded approaches. Um, recently I was at Stanford, I was asked to give a bit of a spiel there. I'll just drop a name there, Kylie, just to. That's all right. You know, we love names. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is called Industrialized Construction Review. 
We're part of the Stanford um, ecosystem, if you like, under SciFi, have been for many years, and, and um, there was 380 like-minded people in that room, uh, all looking mm. at bits and pieces of, of data. To, to my mind, we, we were approached by, by, by many people about working together, and when we do that, to my mind, going end to end with a big shift change, I think we were fairly unique in that regard. Um, there's quite a lot of software and, and of technology being applied to specific areas, you know, be it a payment system or be it a, uh, one, one I loved was a, a, an automatic crane computerization. So you could, you, you could put GPS on materials and automate lift them. And, and, and we're aggregating a lot of those people with our platform. So we see them as, as, as like-minded people. That's the raising. Raising all ships. Okay. So, so uh, we, we, we treat anyone, you know, that, that is of uh, like mine very much uh, as, as, uh, our friends in the process. Awesome. So look, I'm really mindful of the time and I, I'm conscious that we could probably talk about this for another couple of hours because no, there's fine. so much in it. But mm -hmm. what do you see? What's your ideal vision for the future? Like, what do you see coming down the track? What's construction? Working on the theory that PT Blink and, and products or and companies like it are adopted and that we do get change, in the next five years, what's your ideal that, you know, construction will look like? Um, construction or property or, or both? If you the construction of property, yeah. Like yeah. Next five years or a bit further out? Um, look, to, 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 to me... We need to make this change. We need to make this change, not for me or Andrew or you, Kyle. We've got to make it for our kids. 38% of the global emissions. I mean, we haven't got much time here. Mm. And, you know, I'm not much good at going around nations and talking to nations about what their policy could be. You know, what we are good at is, is change. You know, I think the children are definitely our future, you know. So without going too big a story, that's what I do. In, in five years from now on that on, on that road, uh, to, to me, the, if you bring it down to personal things, we we would turn up to you know a, a fully three D construction site that everyone has sees, everyone knows what's being manufactured. There are four or five uh, highly qualified people there. There are the, the 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 factories of the future are booming here. We're using Australian technology, Australian materials, a circular economy. We're funding on a 3D model where everyone sees they get paid with pure transparency. Uh, we're doing our – I'm part of the toolbox um, meeting where we've got our virtual reality hats on and we're seeing what's arriving today and we knew that months ago and, and we, we top, hop to the top of the building on our 3D model and there's no handrail. We go, holy dooly, how did that get through? That handrail needs to be in 3D space right back at the beginning of this process. Right, so that so that I tell you on, on our models, you will not go near the edge in three D space. <laughs> you, you, you will not do it. So so we're safer, better, faster, and with way less waste in five years. Five years happens to be the time that people go through uni about if you get doing a couple of degrees. So mm -hmm. University of Western Sydney and Stanford, we will have our fitness centre. So come back to Andrew with his PT Blink. Okay, so I'm not going to. So when I I couldn't get Blink. Because a optometrist had Blink.com in the US, so I put PT in front of it because post tensioning, right? The, the act of putting forces on cables. Everyone thought we we're a personal training company. <laughs> and then, I, then I said, okay, this is no, this is no good. 
we've got to have a centre where we physically show people that things fit together and the digital model with it, and I call that a fitness centre. So now they still think we're a training uh, a fitness <laughs> and, in, and in many ways we are. We want to make a better, fitter world. How about that? Where did that come from, Andrew? Awesome. No, yeah, absolutely. And look, Kylie, if I if I could say what I'd like to see in one year is that again, we've talked about the rising tide lifting all boats. I would I would like to see the driver of change um, come from our government. So I would like to see government actually um, take the lead in the adoption of technology and take the lead um, because ultimately they're they're social, economic, and environmental issues that affect everybody. Um, and government, particularly in Australia, we know that at a federal level, we've got a big bucket of money in the billions of dollars for manufacturing, so to, to rejig manufacturing, and we've also got a large, equally large, I think, to $25 billion between the two of them to um, accelerate housing provision, affordable and social housing, amongst other types. Um, there's a great opportunity there for government to take the lead and actually use those, those buckets to then say, all right, let's get going and let's start manufacturing the built environment, join the two buckets together. We're using taxpayer dollars um, and the internal rate of return helps get the most, um, the greatest use of our taxpayer funds to solve two social needs. One of them is jobs provision locally, rejigging the local manufacturing, sovereign manufacturing, giving us supply chain stability. Um, giving us job opportunities, giving us value adding, contributing to GDP by providing the um, the local, the built environment locally. It makes perfect mm -hmm. sense. There's buckets of money available for them there. It's also taking the technology lead. Um, it was interesting that actually earlier this year, Murray was on a plane heading over to Stanford University as one of our ministers was heading over to that very same place, Silicon Valley, to then try and attract talent back to Australia. So America was inviting our talent over there to speak to them at the Stanford University's Industrialised Construction Forum, um, whilst some, an Australian minister was going over there to try and tap into local talent and bring it back to Australia. Um, mm. I think, you know, we're, we're a proudly local technology business um, founded to meet fundamental um, social, environmental and economic needs in our society. Um, I would love to see government take a lead in that and um, help us all prosper from the largest um, industry in the world. Well, we know that's possible because it was government getting behind the neighbours rating, energy rating system here in, in New South Wales that kicked that off and basically yeah. by saying we will only allow, we will only let you, you know, move into buildings that have this this rating system in place and that are minimum star standard and that kind of then kicked everything off. So it, that would be great. Mm. Guys, I am very conscious of the time. Um, thank, thank you, you so much. It's been a fan fascinating conversation. Uh, uh, and uh, look for Andrew, look forward to your roundtable conversation at the PropTech Forum. Very much so, Carly. Uh, yeah. is, and, and thank you for all your support. Uh, thanks for being on the PropTech podcast. Thanks again, Carly. So, wow, what a conversation, huh? There was so much in it. We are currently living in an era of housing crisis, but the way we have traditionally built is not going to get us out of it. It's too expensive, too slow, and the final quality is not consistent enough and reliable enough. Plus, it comes at a terrible human cost, both for the builders, contractors and subbies, and the families who rely on them. More than 1,750 builders have gone to the wall over the past year, and productivity in the sector is now worse than it was in 1990. 
Einstein said that the definition of insanity is to do the same things repeatedly and expect a different result. Our insistence that there is only one way to build is truly insane and locks us into wicked problems. But I love Murray's approach that we need to not just make this about changing behaviour, but about influencing funding. My dad always used to say, follow the money. When banks, lenders and insurance companies start to realise that modern construction methods driven by prop techs like PT Blink are able to deliver better quality buildings faster and more affordably and with less risk than traditional methods, we will get the shift that we need to see change. So well done, PT Blink. Thank you to Murray and Andrew for a great conversation. And both of them are going to be at the PropTech Forum and hosting our Construction Roundtable, where this conversation will be taken even further. And if you haven't got your tickets yet, go to proptechassociation.com.au and click on the PropTech Forum. Or check out Eventbrite. Now, if you have enjoyed this episode of the PropTech Podcast, I would love you to tell your friends or drop me a line either via email, LinkedIn or on our Facebook page. You can follow this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor and Apple iTunes. I'd like to thank my podcast producer, the fabulous Charlie Hollands, and our sponsors, Direct Connect, Making Moving Easy, Dynamic Methods, the name behind Forms Live, REI Forms Live and RealWorks, and the PropTech Association of Australia, Australia's industry body supporting the flourishing prop tech community. Now, if you're an Australian or a New Zealand prop tech who would like to be on the show, drop me a line via LinkedIn or kylie at proptechassociation.com.au. Thanks, everyone. Until next time, keep on prop teching. Do you run a prop tech business or are you the founder of a prop tech? Make sure you join the Prop Tech Association of Australia. It's Australia's new not-for-profit association made up of tech people who are passionate about the property industry and committed to improving experiences in how we buy, sell, rent, manage, build and finance property. Joining will give you access to events and networks across Australia and globally to help you promote and grow your business. Go to proptechassociation.com.au and follow the prompts to join. Thank you.